Thursday, 20th of November 2014. This is HPR episode 1644 entitled OpenSource.com. Benitech, OpenStack, and QMusher, and is part of the series Newscast. It is hosted by Semiotic Robotic and is about 22 minutes long. Feedback can be sent to Brian at semioticrobotic.net or by leaving a comment on this episode. The summary is. Benitech CEO opens up the challenge of OpenStack product management, and QMusher takes wiki. This episode of HBR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hey there, Hacker Public Radio. This is Semiotic Robotic bringing you another open source news break from opensource.com. Joining me today to provide their invaluable insight and experience are opensource.com content manager Jen White. Straight up. And OpenStack aficionado Jason Baker. Hello. Here are a few stories the opensource.com community has been discussing lately. Well, first, let's talk about Jen's recent interview with Jim Fruchterman, who is CEO of Benetech, a nonprofit that develops technology for the social good. Of course, they prefer developing applications the open source way. Fruchterman notes that Benetech's GoRead, an open source e-reader for Android that optimizes text for visually impaired readers, is built on the popular and also open FB Reader. Another Benetech-backed tool, Poet, is a web-based tool for crowdsourcing descriptions of images and audiobooks that uses the DAISY standard. Fruchterman explains how it reduces the cost of both producing image descriptions for content creators as well as the delivery time of the described images for end users. Benetech discovered open source thinking in the 1990s when it was building affordable reading systems for people who are blind. We stumbled onto open source without even knowing the meaning of the term, Fruchterman told Jen. We didn't know about open source licensing. We just shared the code to be helpful. And so helpful it has been. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great quote. I love that. Yeah, it's a great quote. It was a fun interview to do, and we had some good feedback from our readers on this one. Uh, Particularly, we have a quote or a comment, actually, on the article from David Goldfield, and I was just going to read it for you guys. Yeah, that's great. great. I'm a visually impaired user of Bookshare, and I was so thrilled to read this excellent interview. By the way, I'm wondering if OpenSource.com has ever had an article about the open-source NVDA screen reader for Windows, which has been a real game-changer for blind people, making Windows computers accessible to individuals who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford the expensive cost of other screen readers. If it hasn't been written, I'd be happy to assist if anyone is interested. So, of course, I jumped on that and said, yes, please write for us. Um, yeah. Please share your story with us. And so I did reach out to David, and he got back to me, and we've been having some good back and forth on this potential article, but also on, you know, 
the the different um, products that are out there, the different um, open source and free projects that are out mm. there for um, visually and auditorily impaired folks. Right. And so I think that, you know, we're going to try to cover some more articles on this topic because it's Definitely. a pretty good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, we've gotten a good sort of steady um, influx of uh, assistive technology, open source assistive technology stories lately, have we not? I mean, it seems to me like that's picked up a little bit. It has picked up a little bit, um, a few, every few months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, thinking back to the Enable articles, I mean, those yeah, were really right. interesting. Um, and, you know, we got to see those in person and... It, it seems like the assistive technology stuff has just been, um, I don't want to say more in the news, but, but certainly uh, a lot more on everyone's radar uh, mm -hmm. in, in recent uh, weeks and months. And, and I think mm -hmm. that's a great thing. It's, it's great for open source to be able to help that community. Absolutely. Definitely. So in your discussion with the, the commenter, have you hit on an angle for the upcoming article? Is he going to write for us? Have you? I think he's going to cover the NVDA uh -huh. app. Fantastic. Well, that's what we like to see at opensource.com, stories that help people, uh, draws people out and uh, helps them tell their open source story, too. Yeah, I, like I mean, a big, I think a big part of what we do, too, is um, how can other people who maybe aren't the status quo get involved? Right, um, right. And so we're seeing a lot more of that in general with women and minorities mm -hmm. and um, transgender getting them into open source and coding and software in general. And so this is just kind of like another area where we can help people get involved. Sure, sure. Next, we should bring to your attention a recent piece by cloud technology consultant Jim Hasselmeyer, who wrestles with the role of the product management function in the OpenStack development process. Hasselmeyer says OpenStack has reached an inflection point. Its developer base has achieved a kind of critical mass, and non-developer parties are interested in using it for day-to-day -day operations. But how can the OpenStack project manage the relationship between these parties, particularly, particularly in light of the fact that it's an open-source project? Would product management for OpenStack be wise or foolish, Hasselmeyer asks. Actually, he concludes, it's both. No single person should have de facto decision-making capability, but the project does need some go-between to relay customer needs to the development community. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, working with Jim on this piece. Uh, for those of you out there in listener land who might not be familiar with OpenStack, OpenStack is a, a sort of set of software tools that help you build and manage cloud infrastructure. Um, it's sort of the open source equivalent of uh, Amazon Web Services or the Google Cloud or okay. some other uh, public providers who... Um, while you can certainly use their infrastructure, it's running non-open software. And so the, the open source community, uh, starting with Rackspace and NASA working together, uh, created this project and released it out to the world and has since grown uh, immensely. But uh, one, of the, one of the, I guess, downsides of working with an immense project and something of this scale is that it's hard to find direction in something right. like that. OpenStack has now mm -hmm. grown to the point where it gets as many commits a month as the Linux kernel, for example. Wow. They're actually okay. uh, comparable in, in community sizes at, mm -hmm. at this point. And and I think uh, what, what Jim's getting at here is that, uh, you know, the users of this type of software are largely um, large corporations mm -hmm. or, or other entities who uh, come to providers uh, and ask for a certain set of requirements. They mm -hmm. might go to their contact and say, hey, we'd love to use OpenStack, but we need it to do X. Mm -hmm. And the difficulty is in getting that information from the product uh, managers at the companies who are working on this over to the developers and making just sure that 
chain of communication right, works in right, a project right. of this scale. Okay. Yeah, because I guess, you know, a somewhat standard line in some open source dot com, dot, some open source communities is, uh, well, if the feature's not there, the beauty of open source is that you can code it yourself. But right. what if you are a large enterprise that's, whose business is not software, who, who doesn't have that kind of talent in the pool, who is not interested in investing resources in enhancing the tool, and but wants to deploy it, uh, what do you tell that that person, right? How do you get that person's uh, request to the people who can actually fulfill it? Um, because now, I guess that's what he means by the by OpenStack reaching an inflection point, right? There's enough people that are interested in this that it's becoming uh, large enough. It's becoming significant enough for folks who aren't even, you know, who aren't developers who aren't part of the developer community. Is that I, correct? I'd say that's fairly accurate. You know, the the growth uh, and and the inflection point that that Jim's talking about. Uh, we really have seen, and I think it was really evident uh, when I visited the OpenStack Summit in mm-hmm. Atlanta uh, last May, uh, the, the user community is finally there. You know, for, for, for months and months and I years see. even, people have been talking about this OpenStack project, but uh, you know, the commentators in, in the tech media were saying, okay, but where are the users? Well, they're right. here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this, uh, what we're seeing from them is that they're, they're enjoying the project and they're asking for new features and we just need mm-hmm. to make sure that, that community continues to work in a way that those right. get communicated to the right people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jason. And finally, we bring you an article by Francois Xavier Ada, contributor to the online publication Rising Voices, who writes about the Kamusha Takes Wiki project, which works to give underrepresented sub-Saharan African communities a voice online. This digital divide means some African communities are underrepresented on the web, Adas says. Without a well-developed online presence, misinformation about them can spread relatively unchallenged. Kamusha Takes Wiki mobilizes various Wikipedians in residence to help communities contribute and edit Wikipedia entries about their local environments and their heritage. The word Kamusha comes from the Shona language of Zimbabwe and means, quote, the place where one comes from. Kamusha Takes Wiki is part of the Wiki Africa Initiative, which, quote, encourages individuals and organizations to create, expand, and enhance online content about Africa, its history, its people, its innovations, and its many contemporary realities on the world's most used encyclopedia, Wikipedia. So I like this piece a lot. Ada really does a good job of laying out sort of why it's important to put editing power in the hands uh, of the people who need to control the way that people see them, right? And I think that seems to me to be, if it's not already coded into sort of our language for how we talk about social justice, I mean, to have, the, to have control over the means, uh, to have control over the tools that people use to represent you uh, seems to me to be right up there uh, on, on the agenda today. So I really like the way this project takes Wikipedia as its sort of home base and begins from there and tries to help these folks learn how they can have a hand in the way that they're represented online. It's really important because I sort of think of the situation for some of the third world countries as sort of being the chicken and the egg syndrome, especially mm-hmm. uh, for folks uh, who, you know, in a lot of these countries speak languages which are not a predominant language on right. Wikipedia. And, uh, you know, so what if you have access to internet through a mobile device or something, if there's no content there for you to consume, no way to be able to use it, and, right. and no way to understand what's already been written about, you know, yourself and your own people. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, this really struck me as a, an interesting article because right. it, it sort of creates that uh, incentive for, for a lot of people to try to take the next step and to 
uh, do what's necessary uh, to be able to get online and, and to have something to do when they get there. And right. I, I think that sort of back and forth is really great. No, I think that's a really good point. Um, also, the page online is really well laid out. There's um, th- uh, four different languages to choose from um, to work on the project, and then there are um, several different tabs uh, to walk you through the project and get you started. So um, it, do- it does seem like they put a lot of work into making mm-hmm. this easy to use, right. and um, hopefully there will be a lot of new knowledge that uh, gets added every day. A couple weeks ago on the podcast, we talked about another project that we featured on opensource.com called Wiki Project Med, mm-hmm. um, and it's a similar situation. Uh, Jen, I think you shepherded that one through. That was from Shauna Gordon McKeon, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Who was writing about this project, Wiki Project Med, which does something similar for medical information online, right? So how can we connect doctors with sort of Wikipedians and residents, or how can doctors become more aware of the way that certain medical information is is presented online uh, and is explained online, mm-hmm. so that uh, folks who use Wikipedia mm-hmm. to Google <laughs> their symptoms actually find relevant, accurate uh, information about what they're experiencing. And uh, I'll say it about this project, um, Kamusha Takes Wiki, the same thing I said about uh, about Wiki Project Med, and that is, I really like the idea that these projects are sort of meeting people where they are. Yeah, exactly. It's not creating. Uh, we're we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do something that's better than Wikipedia. We're going to create uh, another space because this space isn't serving us. It's, no, that they're, they're taking, they're going to where people are, and as it says, it's the world's most used encyclopedia, as Adal reminds us. And so, instead of just creating something different, and Coordinating that stuff off, yep. coordinating those stories off in their own little sector of the internet, they're going straight to the world's largest, most used electronic encyclopedia, Wikipedia, and trying to change that. And the same goes for Wiki Project Med, right? Instead of creating our own little, mm-hmm. you know, gateway uh, medical encyclopedia online, we're going to Wikipedia, going to where people already are, and helping them there. How can we pull the knowledge out of the community on onto the internet, onto right. Wikipedia, where people are already looking for this information? That's right. right. That's right. And then so, free access to it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the infrastructure, too. I mean, right. large projects are incredibly difficult to, to host, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's great to be able to... to kind of plug into some of these existing projects to take advantage of some of the resources. Uh, you know, and of course, something like Wikipedia is funded by people all over the world, but right. mm-hmm. it, it allows them to take uh, take some of the funding that's probably largely comes from some of the more developed Western nations uh-huh. and, mm-hmm. and really bring it back home without having to find a new funding source. For that's it. a great point. Excellent point. Yeah. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another open source news break from opensource.com. Don't forget, you can get your daily dose of open source news from opensource.com. And, of course, you can also find us on various social media, including Facebook and Twitter, where we can be found at Open Source Way. Finally, we'd love to hear your open source story. Share with us at opensource.com slash participate. Until next time, Hacker Public Radio, this is Semiotic Robotic wishing you peace, love, and open source. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club 
and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.